Just when I thought I knew everything about theatre, Robert Wilson Baker is a radio host of the Friday Night Ramble show and the theatre show on Spark FM. Robert has also performed in shows such as Ibiza, Joseph and Billy Elliot. He's also well versed in the UK panto scene. As a broadcaster, he's had the opportunity to interview Kevin Clifton and, get this, Basil Brush. So, Robert, thank you for joining us on my third episode of Gemma's Journeys podcast. Now, you are a radio presenter of many a radio show. In particular, you host a theatre show on Spark FM. So can you tell us about how that started and how you became the presenter? Well, so I started presenting on Spark in 2018 and I'd been doing the daytime shows across the day and across the week for about, a year and a half before the opportunity came to present the theatre show and how it came was there was a slot on a Sunday that was sort of free there was a big gap on a Sunday morning Sunday afternoon where there was no programming and I said to the program manager Jordan at the time I was like Jordan I've got an idea for you why don't we get the theatre show back up and running because the theatre show had relaunched on Spark the year before but it only really lasted six months and then the presenters didn't want to do it anymore. So I said, right, this time, I think let's bring it back and let's bring it back in a different way. And I said to Jordan, can I have a stab at doing it? And they, they let me do it. And then we got the theatre show up and running. It lasted for about eight weeks, including an International Women's Day episode where my friend Emily presented it and she did a fantastic job. And then COVID hit and basically everything on Spark, apart from the very key shows, just sort of went for a while. And I had about four months off from doing it. And then I came back at the end of September, beginning October, once I'd come back onto the station uh, for the summer. And the new program programming manager, James, was like, right, I want the theatre show back. So we've been doing it ever since. So Apart from that, we've been doing it for about a year and a bit. And do you know what? I've really absolutely loved just bringing lots of different music on it, on the station, because the station had a really successful theatre show. It was called The Review Show, and it ran for a couple of years back in the early teen teens. Uh, it was Johnny, um, with Johnny Chambers, who is now at Pride Radio. And he'd been at Metro as well, so he's done quite a fair bit since leaving the university. And him and his friend Corin had a fantastic show. And I sort of wanted to emulate that a little bit, but give it my own little twist. So one of the things that we do is we try and give music from across the like the spectrum of musical theatre and airing. So we have lots of different music from the more modern musicals like Dear Evan Hansen, Hamilton, Mean Girls, stuff like that. And then what I really wanted to introduce, which wasn't a big thing in the... In the, in the previous incarnation in 2019, I wanted to give these old school musicals, so our Sondheim musicals like Company, Into the Woods, Sweeney Todd, and the Roger and Hammerstein musicals like Sound of Music, uh, South Pacific, and stuff like that. I really wanted to give them a bit of an airing as well. So we got a really good mixture of music now on the station. And we constantly add to it. So at the time of recording this, the previous episode that I did, I had some Funny Girl, which was brand new. 
I had some uh, Melanie C. Uh, she did a fantastic album of theatre songs. And so we've added some of that in. And we try and just mix and match it, really. And it's really nice because it gives me, uh, as a as a theatre lover and a performer, a chance to sort of explore music that I may not have heard of. So it's quite nice to do that as well. Yeah, so you clearly know a lot about theatre and you know your musical theatre. So where does your love of the theatre and the arts come from? Well, this is quite a funny story. <laughs> so when I was three, um, I used to love going to the Metro Centre. And at the Metro Centre, they've got these little shows on, which is... Um, which are performed by costume characters inspired by the different coloured uh, sections of mm-hmm. the of the of the centre, and they're called the metronomes. And yeah. my mum, my mum used to always take me when I was younger, and I used to be dancing at the front, uh, a little three year old me dancing at the front right next to the stage. And then someone said, "Oh, you need to get him into theatre classes." So my mum got me into theatre classes, and I've been training since I was four and you know it's one of those things where I absolutely just I've loved it I actually put I went through a bit of a period when I was six or seven eight where I just didn't want to do it anymore but that quickly sort of dissipated and I've I've been training ever since and I I went to stagecoach theatre arts which is it was was in Whitley Bay at the time and then that school closed and then I transferred to the equivalent in Newcastle and I've been there uh, as, a, as a student and then as a teaching assistant and now as a teacher and then in in uh, last September I went back to Whitley Bay uh, they opened a brand new stagecoach under a different management and I went sort of went full circle and went back to teach singing there so it, it's been a, quite a nice journey and then I've done other classes I've done other shows I've been lucky to perform um, as a child in some of the biggest shows in the UK, uh, in the touring productions of Joseph and Evita, which Bill Kenwright is the producer for. Um, uh, When I was eight, I was the dressing gown boy at the start of the show in Joseph. (laughs) So at the start of the show, the narrator comes on and sings, some folks dream of the wonders they'll do. And she brings on a, a boy and a girl. And I, because I was the smallest at the time, I was the boy and I, I, I loved that. So I did that at the Whitley Bay Playhouse and then at the Sunderland Empire the following, uh, the following run. So it was the December and then the February sort of back to back. And it was really, really nice. And then I started doing that show all the way until I was 13. Every time it came up to the Northeast, so I did it for about five years on and off. It was just, it was one of those things that I'll always remember. And then Evita happened as well, sort of in between that time. And that was a different show because the children aren't heavily involved. And I was used to doing Joseph a lot, but it was nice to do something completely different. And then I also did at the same time Evita happened. I did um, Shakespeare for Kids, the, the company we were bringing out the Scottish play Macbeth uh, to, to across the country in a sort of child-friendly way for for children who are studying Shakespeare to go and watch the show and understand how Shakespeare works, but sort of in a more modernised language. So I did that, the Sunderland Empire, as the Sunderland Macduff, which is the um, sort of like the arch nemesis to Macbeth. (laughs) And it was a musical adaptation, so I did that. And that was my first paid job, and I got 20 quid from that. Um, But to be like the only child actor on that big stage the empire's massive, as you as you know, and yeah. it was just it was just a big experience. Wow. And then from there, and then from there, it's just been lots of little bits. So um, 
I did Billy Elliot with Stagecoach as part of like this big project, which the London show launched called the Billy Youth Theatre. And they're basically looking for amateur uh, children's groups, stage schools, schools to basically compete and um, to get down to like a gala performance in London on the Victoria Palace, which, where, which is where Hamilton is right now. So Billy Elliot was there for 11 years. And it was around the time I was about 13, we did, so we performed Billy Elliot and I played Mr. Braithwaite, who was the <laughs> piano person in the ballet class. Uh, I played a minor, a policeman. I played one of the shows. I played the posh boy, which Billy punches uh, <laughs> in, in the ballet audition. And then I've got a, a funny, another funny story where uh, during one of the technical rehearsals, because we had different casts on each night, and I mm-hmm. did all sort of all the shows. There's about six of us that did all the shows. And one of the lads who did all the shows with me, he was playing Tony that night, which is Billy's brother. Mm-hmm. And what had happened was, uh, because we were all doing lots of different bits within the show anyway, so the big number in Act One, Expressing Yourself, which is Billy and his friend Michael, the big routine. In our version, we had him and another girl doing like this double cartwheel thing where one of them would do a cartwheel while the other supports them and then the other person would sort of cartwheel so it's like a continuous cartwheel thing and basically in the tech run or I think it was the dress run uh, 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 someone actually got in the way and they ended up falling out of it and he ended up hurting his back and basically had to go off and get checked out. No. But because I knew the show, I then jumped into his part as Tony. And then nice. we started playing, we started playing Monopoly. So the parts I was playing, someone else covered. Mm-hmm. And we already had someone else that, that was, wasn't was normally playing a part that he should have been playing. It was basically a complicated mess. But basically, <laughs> I ended up understudying <laughs> Tony for, uh, for the rest of the run. And I was told, right. If he, uh, um, I was told basically in this sort of big meeting we had at the end, mm-hmm. basically told, well done. I got publicly sort of thanked. And then mm-hmm. I was told if, if, if this person doesn't come back, Robert's on tonight. And what happens? He comes back. So I didn't get to do it. In oh, front no. of a, get to do it in front of an audience. But, you know, that was my first experience of understudying and how that works. Mm-hmm. And. It, it, it is, it's a thoughtless experience because one of those things where you are the person that sort of, when you are cast as an understudy, there's no chances of you going on. And it happened to me um, again uh, last year when I did um, Back to the 80s at the University of Sunderland, where I'm currently training at the moment. Mm-hmm. I was cast, um, I was a second year student and I was cast as the understudy to the two lead parts. And they weren't going off, but... To re- having to rehearse the part and know both parts that you have to be able to go on. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things I knew I wasn't going to go on, but it's sort of that bit of sweet thing, you because you are cast as the part because you're good enough to play the part, but mm-hmm. you don't get that reward of doing the part in front of an audience. It's such a fraughtless experience. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just shows, you know, the sort of ups and downs of you know musical theater and and live performance you know anything anything can happen and um, so does musical theater you know is is that the you know the, the thing that you love about theater or do you like shakespeare or a bit more contemporary pieces or is musical theater where it's really at for you musical theater is probably my sort of passion i absolutely love it shakespeare i find hard to digest mm-hmm. and i'm not a massive fan of 
as much as I will go see contemporary works or plays, I wouldn't actively go out of my way to see it. I would rather go see a musical. Yeah. Uh, but I absolutely love pantomime as well because pantomime is the first experience that a child sort of experiences, you know, mm-hmm. in a theatre because yeah. when you're four or five, there's like so many different theatres across the country like every sort of major theatre in every major town and city will have a pantomime, even in the village halls, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. just experiencing a pantomime in general, whether it's a good pantomime or a bad pantomime, no matter where it is, if you experience panto in whatever form that you get to see it in, that can get a child hooked to going to see theatre. And that's what's absolutely magical about it for me. And I've been very lucky to do a couple of pantos, both amateurly and professionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did a tour a couple of years ago, um, just before, actually it was the Christmas before COVID started. I went down to Essex and did a, a, a touring panto in schools and in community halls, in, in corporate venues. And we ended up doing it in a university theatre where paying audiences came for the last weekend before Christmas. And it was lovely. Uh, it was a brilliant job and I'm, I'm fingers crossed. I haven't got anything booked at the moment, mm-hmm. but at the time of this recording, I'm currently auditioning for some pantomimes potentially across the country, which maybe um, I'm, I'm just hoping I get them. But it's yeah. one of those things because everyone's been out of work. Yeah. Everyone has been out of work this last year and yeah. there's going to be a lot of competition and especially the shows that are sort of coming out of the woodworks now mm-hmm. where, you know, we get, we, we, we get these shows that are being announced and they've been waiting 14 months to get out on the road or mm-hmm. get into the West End. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these shows are already cast. Pantomimes, it depends at the moment, it, it was pantomimes. A lot of them will be pre-cast from last year. Obviously things didn't happen the way they should have happened, but you know, um, uh, but it's one of those things really. Uh, but yeah, I'm just thinking, fingers, fingers crossed indeed. Yeah, so obviously, you know, theatres are shut at the moment because of the, the pandemic. When theatres do eventually open, what, you know, what musical theatre shows are you going to see? Or, you know, what are you, you know, when the theatres open, what is it you, you want to go and see and experience? I just want to go see theatre, really. I think that's <laughs> where, where I'm at right now. I just yeah. really want to go see theatre. The last show I saw in a theatre was actually in Birmingham. I saw Snow White and the Seven Dwarves uh, with Leslie Joseph from Birds of the Feather and Joe McKeldry oh, from, um, f- f- obviously from the X Act and obviously yeah. Northeast Superstar. Yeah. And honestly, that show was amazing. I was very lucky just before the pandemic. I didn't really get to see anything like directly before mm-hmm. everything shut down, mm-hmm. but I got to go see Panto in Sheffield and see how they do it there. And I went to go down to see Lund- uh, the London Palladium Panto, which was my first time seeing the pantomime at the Palladium. And it's one of those things where it's just magical and it's absolutely incredible. And Birmingham as well, Birmingham and in, in Birmingham, Newcastle and London Palladium are the three biggest pantos in the country and they're all directed by a northeast uh, producer called Michael Harrison and Ooh, I didn't Michael know that. Ha- well Michael Harrison is the brainchild behind some of the biggest pantos and musicals oh. in the world Michael's responsible for producing The Bodyguard uh, was Alexandra Burke yeah. uh, Michael's also uh, responsible for for like for, well this year about 30 odd different pantomimes in in the country all ranging from Aberdeen down to Plymouth, Cardiff, Belfast, 
um, across the country. He is the sort of the managing director of the company that produces all those pantomimes. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to know, especially that people in the Northeast can make it in the the big game. So someone from Wall's End who's had so many different experiences of people giving him a chance. The fact that now he's now the biggest theatre producer of pantomime in the world is is incredible. So I'm just looking forward to seeing theatre and trust me, I will be jumping at any opportunity to go <laughs> see theatre. Even, even though I said I'm not a massive fan of Shakespeare or like contemporary plays or plays in general, I will go see theatre just to experience sitting down in a dark room with a yeah. bunch of strangers. Uh-huh experiencing a live moment that won't be repeated ever again and I think that's what the beauty of theatre is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and do you think that the future of theatre you know when it eventually opens again do you think it will be different you know now that we've had you know we've got lockdown you know it might you know it might be like a live stream or you know it might be a little bit different especially now with social distancing do you think the experience will change when theatres are open or do you think it's going to be back to normal and it'll feel like as it was before the pandemic hit I don't think it'll ever be back to where it was before I, I I've been reading a lot about this in the media and sort of how people think theatres are gonna mm-hmm. do things I think it all depends on where the roadmap goes and I I hate using those phrases that that like sort of coined you know like roadmaps and tears and all that sort of thing but it all depends because we just don't know what's going to happen and I think any any sort of event like theatre or concerts or stuff like that I think we're going to be in a really limboed situation for the next couple of years mm-hmm. um, and I'm really excited about theatre having a rebirth I think that there are pros and cons to, to this scenario I think the, the idea of theatre is going to change because a lot of people would have left the industry for whatever reason but a lot of people are going to be entering the industry and I think there's going to be a, 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 a big uh, sort of cascade of talent that is going to emerge from the woodworks. I, I, I take this example, um, someone that I know from Sunderland, she's called Katie Brace. She's just been announced in the last week when obviously when we've recorded this interview mm-hmm. that she is going to be leading the UK tour of Hairspray's Tracy Turnblad, <gasps> making her professional debut. And I just go, someone like Katie, who I've I've worked with before when I was younger um, mm-hmm. at Stagecoach, and I and I look at uh, look at Katie and I go, do you know what? There's definitely talent that is just out there waiting to be seen. And Katie's an example, and now she's making her debut, leading the 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 the, the, the touring cast of Hairspray, mm-hmm. which is a, it's a big it's a big deal for someone to get their debut as the lead, not the understudy, their lead. Yeah, and I and I, and I look at that and go right there is talent out there that is ready to to, to be seen mm-hmm. I think how we do the, theatrical events I think I saw someone the other week that this could, it could be the end of the interval and we see a lot more one actors shorter theatres mm. like some shorter theatre shows more theatre shows I mean I'm looking at pantomimes that are being produced this year and I'm seeing a lot more three show days right. on a Saturday like to get the punters in. I'm seeing mm-hmm. shorter runs but more shows on a day. That might be a way forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was already the case before COVID sort of hit that but like the bigger shows are now starting to do that which is interesting. 
I also think as well, how we educate people um, in theatre and in talent in singing, dancing and acting is changing. Mm-hmm. I, I've been really lucky over the past couple of years before COVID and during COVID to be working with a fantastic uh, training programme called the British Pantomime Academy, which is uh, producing some fantastic talent across the country um, for pantomimes across the world. Because, you know, pantomime, as I said before, is a big deal. Financially, for theatres, mm-hmm. we're talking millions of pounds. Now, obviously, last year, a lot of theatres missed out on pantos. There was only a handful yeah. that managed to get pantos up and running. Mm-hmm. And even then, the majority of them closed because of the the, the, the introduction of the TF4. Yeah. Now, there was only probably about three or four pantomimes if, to my collection that actually managed to get up to New Year when mm-hmm. all the theatres were forced to shut again. Now, I, I'm 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 really sort of grateful for Kev Orkin, who is the mastermind behind this program called the British Pantomime Academy, because he's given me the opportunity to go out. Obviously, I got did that tour a couple of years ago. He got me that job. He he, he got me that opportunity, and Kev is really fighting the corner for the talent that is coming through the woodworks in pantomime. Because you look at I look at the pantomime scene now, and we look at the, the talent that the currently there is currently in in terms of like comics Mm -hmm. dames fairies villains you know the really sort of character parts and i look and go that there is some big gaps that are starting to emerge where the big names like brian Connolly, joe pasquale bobby davro Mm -hmm. um les dennis big names that are household names from 70s 80s 90s that are still big names now Mm-hmm. they're not going to be around in about 20 years time which is obviously very sad and a morbid way of thinking about it but the talent that needs to replace these people that are sort of like oven ready talent mm-hmm. it's so important because you know pantomime is an evolving thing but comedy and humor even though the jokes are can you, you can get new jokes a lot of it's recycled a lot of it is recycled Stuff. So we're saving the planet by recycling these jokes and routines and stuff, which I, which I, I love. And, you know, when I've interviewed, I have another project called uh, Friday Night Rambles, where I interview a lot of people um, who are in the industry. And one of the things that I think is going to be very clear is we're going to need to replace these people. Mm-hmm. And the British Pantomime Academy does that. And it's bringing new talent so that the future of pantomime is a strong and prosperous one. And I think that is so important. So if anybody like is interested in learning, not even just necessarily pantomime skills, but just learning how to conduct basic stagecraft, the British Pantomime Academy is honestly one of the best platforms because you can you can learn how to sing, you can learn how to do scripts, you learn characterization, you work with some of the biggest names in theatre and in entertainment. I mean some of the masterclasses they've had, they've had Anthony Costa from Blue, who's a fantastic ambassador for someone who has gone from the pop world mm-hmm. and is now a, a fantastic theatre actor and a fantastic character actor. And you would you would look at someone who's got, oh, he's from Blue. Well, he's more than just that. And he's a fantastic ambassador for that. Hayley Tamerton's just been announced to do some lectures as well from Corey Emmerdale, mm-hmm. Dancing on Nice. And you get to work with people like that. And I think 
because I, I was one of the original people to take part in the original face-to-face course back in 2019. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm really proud of the fact that I was able to do that and able to, to work with, I got to work with Warwick Davis. Wow. I mean, you don't, you don't get, I know, but you don't get opportunities like that every day. You don't. To work with people of that calibre. Mm-hmm. And I'll constantly, and, I, and, I, and I'll say this now, I'll constantly fight the British Pantomime Academy's a corner because mm-hmm. it is a fantastic training tool. And I'm proud to sort of, like in, in a defector term, be an ambassador for such a great thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I think the future the talent the future of talent is so important. Yeah. I think especially in the Northeast as well, where you know, we are so lucky to have, you know, loads of different theatres, loads of different venues where, you know, artists can express themselves and can learn, you know, what they like, what they don't like, and, you know, play around with different forms of theatre. And especially, you know, pantomime, like you say, it's massive, it's really big, you know, in, in Newcastle, you know, because we're so lucky to have loads of venues. We're going to get all, 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 all the pantos in. And, you know, I think it's, I think the North East do, do have a strong um, talent in, in, in the arts, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, it's football, it's sport. But actually, I mean, you know, I'm biased. I love theatre. I do think that there is such strong talent out there in the Northeast. And, you know, you you teach, you know, you've experienced theatre and, you know, you've been around different countries in the UK. So you must have sort of maybe felt the difference, I don't know, between the Northeast and other places in terms of talent. I, don't, I think talent is talent wherever you go. Mm-hmm. I, I do think... I do think talent is talent, no matter where you are, what you're from, what, um, how you identify yourself, mm-hmm. um, your your race, your gender. It, it doesn't matter whether you are, uh, like any of those factors shouldn't stop talent from being talent. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important. It's, obviously, we've, we've had these discussions over the past year or so about, about the obviously, the Black, Black Lives Matter movement and obviously um people who are, are identifying as non-binary or transgender or gender gender neutral gender fluid mm-hmm. um th- representation for those actors has been some big stories in the past couple of weeks about musicals casting certain certain ways and i think we need to up our game on that on that front i think mm-hmm. especially when it comes to casting and representation, I think it's so important. And I think it's something that I want to educate myself more on. And a lot of people say, say that, but sort of say it as a, like a, a tick box thing. I generally do, because if if we if we as people who have got platforms like this mm-hmm. or like Friday Night Rambles, which which I uh, present and obviously was in Stub at Spark, mm-hmm. um, we've got platforms to sort of voice things and mm-hmm. voice opinions, voice changes and start making people aware of it and i think that's that's the first thing that we need to start doing is looking at ourselves looking at our practices and going we're not doing this right we need to get representation up and i think that also lends itself to the northeast the northeast as you said we've got lots of great venues we've also got lots of great training programs that are emerging from the woodworks project a the theater royal is an example of that sunderland uh, university the university of sunderland they have a fantastic performing arts department that is sort of going through a transition of right we, we we need to make sure that people are well educated but also employable there's a big difference between 
obviously talent is is a part of the story but it only makes up in my opinion 10 percent of a person you've got to look at how their attitude their employability, the skills they've got, and also what they like to work with. Because I don't want to go into a rehearsal room with someone that's going to throw a strop or someone that's going to be difficult because it's going to make me feel uncomfortable. And I think that is the 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 the, the next sort of the next step is really getting the northeast theatre scene to be recognised more yeah. nationally. I look at places like Leicester Cave. Leicester mm-hmm. is a fantastic example. It is. I've been there. I know that well. I, it's a beautiful theatre. Brilliant, brilliant theatre. But also the stuff coming out of there, the theatre projects that are coming out of there. Uh, Nikolai Foster is a fantastic advocate of theatre. And one of the things that I've noticed through social media, it doesn't matter whether you audition for, for uh, whatever you audition for, you will get, a straight answer whether it's a yes or a no mm-hmm. no matter what process of the audition you are and I think that is also important to be transparent and going unfortunately you weren't right for it this time we thank you very much for your effort in coming in mm-hmm. and I think that's another thing that needs to happen um but I think we look at we look at Leicester we look at Sheffield the, the Sheffield theatres we look at what's happening in Chichester and we look at these theatres and, the, and what they're doing and how they're bringing theatre out of London into the regions I think the steps that are being made with Project Out of Theatre Royal what Northern Stage are doing they've just had a change of artistic director mm-hmm. uh, same as Live Theatre they're just about to have a change of artistic director there yeah. and um, the Time Theatre are introducing a thing called uh, the Time Rep which is going to be like a repertory style theatre I don't know exactly what the project entails mm-hmm. but we're starting to get big northeast projects that are going to get a lot of attention and if we can start joining things up up here mm-hmm. i think that's going to be the most important thing definitely i think sometimes you know i mean when i wanted to perform and you know when i first started my performance performance arts career i thought that I had to be in london and london was the place to be but you know now looking at things that's definitely not the case and like you say it doesn't it doesn't matter and it should not matter where you are there should be opportunity if you're interested in theatre and it might not be the performance it might be want to be you know behind the scenes or creating costumes or you know anything like that you know there should there are opportunities out out for you no matter where you are which I think is is brilliant um now obviously going back to lockdown is a subject that no one likes to talk about um and theatres are closed what has your experience been like in terms of you know, experiencing theatre at home? Have you maybe been able, been able to watch any live stream performances or have you gone to an outdoor performance or have you been like me? I've been sat at home watching musicals all the time. <laughs> so what's your experience of theatre at home being like? Well, my experience of theatre at home, it's been actually quite sparse. I'm not going to lie to you because I think one of the things that understandably people have had to put a price on these things and accessing theatre so people can get paid. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important. But students, very skint students, we can't afford things like that. So yeah. it, I, I managed to catch the Sunset Boulevard stream for the Leicester Curve. I saw that show it, it, um, from the Leicester Curve uh, when they took it on tour to the Theatre Royal and I loved it. And we had a talk with um, Rhea Jones, who was the star of Norma Desmond in mm-hmm. that show at the University of Sunderland. And one of the things she was saying when she when she 
went back to record it just before Christmas because they were hopefully going to try and put it on face to face didn't happen but luckily they recorded it and a brilliant brilliant genius way they managed to make it work in that theater and it just was just gorgeous to hear those songs uh, I was looking to see a couple of stream pantomimes over Christmas and um, I saw a couple of different ones that produced from Sheffield uh, Canterbury uh, from a company called Evolution who are, uh, were amazing at making theatre work. And I saw a couple of different, like, sort of um, in-house productions of pantomimes that were streamed. And do you know what? I was really impressed with how people tried to put theatre on. Mm-hmm. I think that was the big thing. Yeah. I think my second my second sort of experience just throughout lockdown from a theatrical point of view was setting up Friday Night Rambles, uh, which was my talk show, um, which which was uh, which was it's, we're still going actually at the moment, and being able to connect with different people in the entertainment industry and in theatre is so important. And talk talk about what's been going on through lockdown. And I started it well, by the time this probably comes out a year ago. And one of the things that I've been really lucky to do is speak to some very very talented but also very high profile people. I mean, put it this way. I got an interview Basil Brush the other day. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this. I wanted to know how on earth you got to meet Basil Brush and what you talked about. <laughs> well, so Basil Brush, how it happened was Basil's just done a, an Easter online panto and I know the producer of that panto. Mm-hmm. So within my team, uh, one of my friends who I, I work with, who actually sort of became really good friends with over lockdown. He lives in Bournemouth and he's called Jamie Riding. He's a fantastic performer and he's a fantastic um, Punch and Judy professor. He is um, a massive Punch and Judy fanatic and as well as being a fantastic uh, pantomime dame. He worked for this producer uh, the last panto season before lockdown, the last big one we had. And we sort of said to, the, to, the, to uh, Anton, who's the producer, we said, look, why don't you pr- promote your stuff on the show? So he came on at Christmas uh, with Anne Hecate from The Chase, mm-hmm. uh, Graham Cole, who played Tony Stamp in The Bill, <laughs> Dave Benson Phillips from Fun Song Factory, Playhouse, Disney, and Get Your Own Back on, on the BBC, and um, Barney Howard from Blue Peter. And they came on and promoted their online panther. Uh, um, which they did at Christmas mm-hmm. and then we said if you've got anything coming up we'll promote it again and it just so happens that we were very lucky that uh, Basil Brush was doing the Easter Panto so we said right, get Basil on Joanne Clifton came on as well um, from Strictly and mm-hmm. yeah but on our, re- on our regular episodes as well mm-hmm. um, Christmas was a fantastic special uh, of lots of different people from the pantomime world and it was really, really nice uh, just to have a bit of panto magic. And we did it on Panto Day as well, which was really nice because everybody was missing panto. And it was just a great way to get the community together. Um, but in a my normal episodes, I've been really lucky I'd, um, to, to interview some amazing people. I interviewed Alex Brightman, who is a two-time Tony uh, nominee. Uh, he originated the role of Dewey in School of Rock on Broadway. He originated Beetlejuice on Broadway. And I was very lucky to connect with him. I connected with uh, Matt Croak, who was on The Voice this year. Yes. And, and he was in Aladdin. So we managed to connect with him last year, yeah. um, obviously before The Voice kicked off. Steph Parry, who made theatre sort of theatre news by 
running from the Theatre Royal Jewelry Lane to the Novello Theatre. She was standing by for Lulu in 42nd Street, but she needed to go and emergency cover the role of Donna in Mamma Mia um, one night. And she basically saved the show that night and she made theatre history. Wow. And she's a fantastic name in theatre. Yeah. Um, very lucky to interview uh, Jenna Lee James, who was a guest soloist on the Hugh Jackman World Tour. And there's lots of other people I could mention. <laughs> Is there are... anybody that you, you haven't had the opportunity to interview, but you know, would really love to, to get to get to get to interview that that person? Is there anyone that's, out there that you think? That's a dangerous question because I've got a bucket list of people <laughs> that I really want to interview. Um I really want to there's so many people. I I I would love to interview Brian Conley, but he's just gone into EastEnders. We were so close to getting him on, mm-hmm. uh, but he went into EastEnders, so we couldn't. I would love to interview Joe Pasquale. I think he's hilarious. I'd love to interview some more Broadway and West End people. I've really Mm -hmm. neglected the theatre scene, so I would love to interview Rachel Tucker. Mm -hmm. I would love to interview Carrie Hope Fletcher. Scott Page has just been in the circle. I would love to interview some amazing, like these amazing people and talk about theatre more from a musical point of view, because I've been very lucky that a lot of what I've been talking about recently has been the people that wouldn't necessarily get you do get to talk about like variety because variety apart from britain's got talent variety isn't really shown as much on mm-hmm. tv now yeah. um we're lucky that was that talent new talent game thing which which is on um itv with and k mm-hmm. that's bringing back variety entertainment in a different way mm-hmm. but i do think that variety entertainers comedians and trellequists um some some obviously some massive like magicians as well you know like there's some big people that I've talked to I talked to a couple of people from Britain's Got Talent um at the beginning of this series and uh we've got some really good episodes coming up I've got the first anniversary episode which is coming up where I'm getting a load of different guests that have been on before mm-hmm. I'm going to come back on uh exclusive for you mm-hmm. we have got a episode coming up where I am speaking to two uh, puppeteers who were uh, the um, stars of Rainbow, the kids' TV series. So that's going to be happening. So I don't know when this goes out, but hopefully by then we will have had it. And then I've got another major episode, Mm -hmm. which I I, I can't really say anything about. All I'm going to say is we've got um, the masterminds behind some of the best visual effects you'll ever see alongside the mastermind of one of the biggest TV shows in 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 children's TV history. I mean this sounds you, exciting. You don't <laughs> I, get I, it. To... <laughs> you, I, I I'll tell you later, but um all I'm gonna say is my childhood is going to be made that night. Wow. Um which I which I'm really looking forward to. Okay. And I think if anybody is um He's a children's TV fan and grew up because everyone will have grown up at some point with this um, with this icon. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very magical. That's all I'm going to give a clue. Okay. Very magical and he's very loved. Okay. Um, but he's very small. <laughs> but well... he is. He. But yeah, I think. But I've given some clues in there. 
Oh, I wonder what what we what we'll think of that. So, Robert, thank you so much for being a part of my my podcast today. You know, I, I wish you good luck in the rest of your your theatre and radio career. You know, it sounds like you've had a bit of a a bit of a journey, but there are more more exciting times to to come. So, if my listeners want to follow you on your journey, or perhaps listen to your radio shows, the Friday Night, Night Rambles, or the theatre show on Spark FM, where can we see more of you? So you can get me on Twitter at uh, RoboWB, on Instagram at RoboWB. Uh, I have TikTok as well, but it's very sparse. Again, at Robo underscore WB. Um, you can follow me. Um, you can follow the theatre show on Spark, uh, at Spark Sunderland uh, on, one, on 107 FM if you live in the Sunderland area or online at sparksunderland.com. And Friday Night Rambles, you can have a look at this on YouTube and on Facebook, Friday Night Rambles. And we will be back, hopefully, for the summer. I'm going to be ending it um, at the end of May because I need a break. Mm-hmm. Um, um, because I'm just tired and I need... I want to finish university because I, I graduate this year. I'm going to be going on a sort of what I call a vacation, a home vacation of just sleeping and doing absolutely nothing <laughs> for a couple of weeks. That sounds really... like my perfect vacation. I like I like the sound of that. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm a person known for doing lots of things, so it's going to be really hard <laughs> to do nothing. And then, yeah, and then hopefully we'll be back in the summer once we sort of know where theatre is. And fingers crossed, we'll just be continuing promoting the message of local theatre. And I think yeah. it's so important that we get theatre back because I think not, not only financially, but well, actually, yeah, financially, it helps a lot of people out, whether you don't even know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, theatres, like if you prolong a theatre in a town centre, people are spending on car parking, yeah. uh, hospitality, you know, shopping, yeah. um, lots of different things. And I think it's so important, not only for the local economy, for the regional economy, but also for the, the people that have been sort of left out the last year. We need to get it back. We yeah. definitely yeah. need to get a bit of it. Because we're the people that we rely on, you know? to entertain and I think there's going to be a lot of that needed. Yeah, it'll be nice to see theatres and you know and the cities around it back up and, and buzzing and, and live and live again. So thank you again, Robert, for being a part of Gemma's journey. It's been amazing to talk to you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Gemma's Journey podcast. I've been your host, Gemma Hurst. Now, if you're an artist, actor, dancer, or maybe you just love to talk about theatre, then don't, don't hesitate to contact me. I'm at Gemma's Journey on social media. And of course, make sure you subscribe and share this podcast. Thank you for listening.